This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Second hour of Seattle Sports at Night. Right here with you for the next hour. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jake Heaps. Make sure you're texting in those text questions for Ask Us Anything. That's coming up at 845. Uh, some Stanley Cup final news. The St. Louis Blues winning Game 5, so they have an opportunity to win the Cup in Game 6 uh, coming up in a couple of days. So Great uh, news for Lydia, Lydia Cruz yeah. and uh, newly recruited Blues fan and Stacy Ross. Yeah. Uh, but uh, horrible news for Maura Dooley and uh, my good friend Ryland Spencer, who I know is a massive Boston Bruins fan. So, you know, uh, this this affects all. This... You got, you got a rivalry within that J-Slam group. They're very tight-knit. Absolutely. And I wonder if this might drive a wedge between Lydia and Maura if if this series, you know, gets gets even tighter than it is right now. Honestly, I don't know. I mean, we could see a long-standing friendship get ruined Ooh, over this series. I, I hope mean, that doesn't happen. Well, I hope so either, but <laughs> there have been crazier things that have happened in the world of fandom. Oh man, let's let's hope it doesn't. Let's hope it doesn't get to that. <laughs> uh what else we hope it doesn't get to is Bobby Wagner not signing an extension with the Seahawks and Jake, you pointed out kind of the urgency with which you heard Bobby Wagner talking about how he wants to get this deal done. Is he, He's representing himself, and he doesn't want it to drag out the way it did when he signed his extension in 2015, where it came down to, I believe it was the start of training camp or it was into training camp. And that's back when he was being represented by an agent. Now he's by himself, and he's got to negotiate on his own time. He can't have somebody else negotiate while he... Worries about what's going out on, going out on the field, and you made the point, which I thought was an incredible observation on your point, uh, or on your part, that Bobby wants this done as soon as possible, and there are only there's about a week left uh, before the Seahawks head out for their summer break before training camp starts, right, and. The Seahawks front office, they don't want to be in town during that. Bobby probably doesn't even want to be in town during that month because, I mean, that's your last thats your last breath before you get into that meat grinder of a season from training camp all the way through the end of the Super Bowl where it's from the end of July through February. Does Bobby Wagner sign before the conclusion of minicamp? That's the question right now. Coors like text line 710-710. Get your answers in there. Jake, when you look at the situation as it is right now, because it's kind of, I guess, at a standstill right now where we haven't heard anything from either side, and maybe it's a situation of no news is good news. Right. But you look at where it is right now with Bobby saying out loud, like, I want C.J. Mosley money, and I want to beat C.J. Mosley and, and get that get that bag. Mm-hmm. Do you think it gets done before the conclusion of minicamp? Well, I was pretty confident that it would, and I think that that still is the best solution for all of this, for all parties involved, to get this done before minicamp officially wraps up uh, for the staff, for uh, Bobby himself, and to be able to use that month to truly focus on preparation uh, on both sides. And And I think when you look at this, though, I would not be surprised if this bled into July, if this bled into uh, a couple weeks into July. Here's the thing. Bobby Wagner uh, lives in this area. Uh, he also has 
a place in California that he, you know, also has spends time down there as well. But he spends a significant amount of his time in Washington, and that he has a consistent tra- training regiment uh, from the very beginning of his career and he's been working out at Ford Sports Performance for a long time. I know that because I was there as well with him and he has a strict training regiment that he goes through and it's not going to change anytime soon. So he's going to be in this area training uh, for the entire month of July. So he's going to be around and can get to the building at any time to negotiate. It's more of whether John and Pete and those guys, they like to take vacation off during that time as well. And so I believe that there's time for this to get done. And I know Bobby does not want this to bleed into uh, training camp. And he wants to avoid that at all costs because it's not going to be a time for him that's best suited to have contract negotiations. This is time for him to focus on having the best season that he possibly can have and continue to be that leader and that foundational piece for this defense. So, Uh, Again, for all parties involved, I believe that it would be best suited for them to get this thing done as soon as possible. Yeah, and you bring up that, I mean, this is a contract year for Bobby if they don't get it done. He wants to be focused on having the best year possible for his future, whether that is here in Seattle or elsewhere. I have a hard time envisioning him in any other uniform besides the Seahawks uniform, which I don't think I've said that about anybody else on the Seahawks defense over the last about decade now, yeah, where you could see Richard Sherman's time in Seattle coming to an end, especially his last year in Seattle, where it was like, okay, this guy's probably not coming back. Same with Earl Thomas. Uh, same with Michael Bennett. Just the way that those guys work their way out of the building. And I just don't know if Bobby Wagner, I don't think Bobby Wagner is cut from that same cloth the way those guys were and the way that they handled their contract situations. Yeah. I think Bobby is a guy who I think the Seahawks realize, like, yo, we cannot just plug and play at that position. Of course not. When he's out of the lineup. It is an entirely different defense. He is, it ar- is night and day different. Well, he's arguably the best linebacker in the NFL right now. He's one or two. And in my opinion, I believe that he is number one. And he has not shown any t- any signs of slowing down in his game. And the value that he brings into your locker room uh, cannot be overstated. He is a uh, calming, calming presence. He is a guy who also is a voice of accountability in that locker room. Um, and he has done everything, everything, Curtis, the right way. He is a Seahawk through and through, and when you talk about Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner is right there in terms of his consistency every single day. Uh, Off-the-field distractions, you are not worried about that with Bobby Wagner in the least. And so I believe that they absolutely should be rewarding a guy like Bobby Wagner in the same vein that they rewarded Russell Wilson. And these are the two guys that you build your team around. They are that type. They are that caliber of player. They are that caliber of a leader. And I believe it's going to be a good investment for them. So to me, this isn't a question, Curtis, of whether this gets done. It's a matter of when. And it's so when you look at this, if they don't get this done now, it, it just continues to bleed over into preparation, and it gets Bobby focusing on other things other than playing, other than being the leader of your team. And that's what you don't also don't want to make your 
make a player like Bobby, who's done everything the right way, feel disrespected and, and maybe cause a rift. Bobby's not going to handle things the way that his, his the Legion of Boom has handled it before him. He's watched how that has unfolded. He's not going to handle it that way. But you don't want to get in a situation where you were to, you were playing out the rest of the season and now it comes time for contract negotiations and Bobby's just simply not wanting to get a deal done because he didn't like the way things were handled. You look at the cap space currently for the Seahawks. Uh, Spotrac, they've got it estimated about $28.1 million right now. So it's not like the Seahawks are simply pinching pennies at this point. Like They've got the space to make this deal work and still live comfortably Absolutely. this season. And, you know, in the NFL, you can roll over that cap space into the next season. And so, Curtis, for 2020 and 2021, they are in amazing shape. Yeah. Incredible shape. So, to me, what what's holding you back? Exactly. What is holding you back from paying this guy? Just like Russell, this is a fair market deal. Number one linebacker. He wants number one linebacker money. Unfortunately, the C.J. Mosley contract is way out there. But to Bobby, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's that, not his fault. Correct. He's just he's just going for what the market says he's he's worth. Yep. And he's worth being paid the number one linebacker money uh, more than anybody else in the NFL. I think what it comes down to why what's holding up the Seahawks is what held up them with pretty much anybody else's negotiations that have come up on this third deal, where guys are approaching the age of thirty. And they they don't want to be caught into a spot where they're paying for past performance rather than future performance. But I think Bobby Wagner is the safest bet of anybody, maybe even more so than Russell Wilson, of living up to this contract over the course of however long it may be. And I don't think we're going to see Bobby Wagner's production take a huge nosedive the way we we saw other guys who got paid and, and you know obviously Cam Chancellor's production didn't take a nosedive because of like on the field performance it was because of injuries oh, yeah and I don't think Bobby Wagner's a guy who can who who's going to be susceptible to that right because I, he he's barely missed any time in his career yeah I think you bring up a really interesting point Curtis when you talk about the difference between Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson Russell Wilson to this team he is the MVP of this team like without a doubt. But when you talk about upper echelon in terms of where he, where Russell is considered in the great debate of the top five quarterback conversation. He's, I think he's solidly within that top five. He is solidly within that top five. And anybody else that has him with that outside that top five, you, it's to me, it's ridiculous. Jake Laser. You, you, are, you are certainly not looking at the right things. You are looking at, oh, is he a volume passer? Is he this and that? That's all off scheme and system. It's not on the quarterback himself. The other part of it, though, is is that Bobby Wagner, for the for numerous years now, is considered to be the number one linebacker in the league. Number one, Russell Wilson is considered in the top five. He's not been considered widely across the league the number one quarterback in this in, in this league. Uh, and obviously, there's a lot of talent. There's great debate and all those things. And I believe Russell is eventually going to get himself into that conversation with the likes of Tom Brady and Drew Brees eventually finding their way out in the way that Aaron Rodgers has played in recent years. However, Bobby Wagner has been consistently there, and I don't think he's going anywhere from that conversation like you pointed out. So, like we talk about, are those guys worth it? Is Russell worth it? Yes. Is Bobby Wagner worth it? Yes. And to me, I don't see the hang-up there 
other than talking about guaranteed money from how the Seahawks want to do things and how Bobby Wagner wants to do things. Those are the only that's really the only thing, Curtis, I can see holding up this negotiation, getting a deal done. Coming up next here on Seattle Sports at Night, a lot of Seahawks on the hot seat heading into 2019. Which one needs a breakthrough performance this upcoming training camp in order to secure his spot on the 2019 roster? We answer that next. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, Seattle Sports Night on 710 ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Coming up in 15 minutes from now, another edition of Big If True, the NBA Finals. We're coming up on Game 4, no Kevin Durant. What if he never plays again in this series? What if he never plays again for the Warriors? Mm. Or what if he does? What if he does? What if he does come back? We've got we talk about that coming up in 15 minutes from now. Big if true here on Seattle Sports at night. But uh, the Seahawks they head into minicamp next week. OTAs are now concluded. They are over. Minicamp the last impression before training camp. And there are guys on this Seahawks roster right now that their seats are a little warmer than others. Guys who could be on that roster bubble, who are certainly on that roster bubble. Which ones have the hottest seat right now? And, Jake, I think there was one guy who you spotlighted earlier in the show today when you talked about the Seahawks secondary. And it's a guy who is starting at cornerback. It's yeah. Shaquille Griffin. And to me, I, I look at Shaq, Gr- Shaquille Griffin as the guy who's got the hottest seat of anybody. Really? In 2019? I, in 2019, hmm. more so than C.J. Proceis, more so than Amara Darbo. I think this is a guy, because so much is expected of him. That's the difference between him and C.J. Proceis or Amara Darbo. Yeah. In that, if any... if the only kind of thing that's expected of those guys is to, like, can you stay healthy? Can you make the roster? Whereas Shaquille Griffin is expected to start. He's expected to shake off his shaky second season in the NFL. And he's expected to hopefully be a building block of this defense. It's year three for him. Yeah, This is where you really got to show yourself. Well, I think if you're going to go on that vein, I'd like to take it in two different directions here, Curtis. Let's start off with this this year as a performer. So when you talk about hot seat, to me there's two ways you can do it. To one, be on the current roster now. Who's going to make this 53-man roster going into 2019? Okay. And then also, also the point that you're talking about, this year we know that X player is going to be on this 2019 roster, but they have the most to prove and their seat is hot. If they don't prove themselves in 2019, this ex-player is going to be in big trouble and his future in Seattle is going to be in question. I am right there with you that Shaq Griffin is that guy. It is it is put up or shut up. This is a year for him that he has to absolutely step up because if you notice, Curtis, in the offseason, they did not make any big additions or acquisitions at the cornerback position. They feel very good about Shaq Griffin and Trey Flowers and who they can be. Now, Shaq Griffin, you have to instill that trust 
and you have to show that this organization made the right decision on you. They have empowered you like nobody else to be that guy. And you struggled in 2018. Can you come back and can you uh, be that number one corner that this group is expecting you to be? And if you can't, this this NFL it stands not for long. And so your time is going to be short, and they're going to try and find that next competitive piece to get them over the hump. Uh, the other guys that you look at is Lano Hill and Tedrick Thompson. Those two guys have to step up in 2019. They need to show more than what they have done so far in their young careers. The other guy that I would say uh, is um, the other guy that I would say right now that that fits that category is Jermaine Effetti. Jermaine Effetti is a very positive player that we're talking about. In 2018, he absolutely stepped his game up from the first two seasons. The first two seasons were extremely frustrating to watch from Jermaine Effetti. His maturity level wasn't there. His execution wasn't there. Uh, too many mental errors. And you saw all that change under Mike Solari. And I believe that he's matured. He is going in the right direction. But he needs to show that he can not be just a one-year uh, productive player, but that he can do it consistently uh, for another season. And can he continue to progress as a pass blocker? Because right now, I think he is very physical at the point of attack in the run game, Curtis. But he is not an elite pass blocker. He is he's he's okay. He's middle of the road. But when you put him against the elite pass rushers of this league, there is a major difference. And so those, to me, are the real three key pieces that you look at, I know I named four players, but I'm considering that safety group, that one of Tedra Thompson and Lano Hill. But really, those four players are the guys that are have the hottest seat going into 2019 for me. You bring up Jermaine Effetti, and you look at the offensive line right now. Is he the biggest question mark on the offensive line, even with the concerns of Mikey Potty's health and also DJ Fluker's health? Is he the biggest question mark or concern still on that offensive line, even after yeah. the improved season that he had in 2018? That's a good question. I believe that uh, the bigger, the biggest concern is Upati's health. To me, that is a huge factor in all of this. Can Upati uh, play and remain healthy or at least be able to play for the majority of the games and be there when this team needs you when it comes playoff time and down the road? instead of playing early and getting injured and not being a contributor late. Obviously, we saw the effect that that had on the Seahawks when they played the Dallas Cowboys when J.R. Sweezy and D.J. Fluker were not 100%. They just simply were not the same physical, moving monsters that we saw for the most of the season. So that is a huge piece to this. But I believe uh, Jermaine Effetti still has to continue to improve if this offensive line is going to take steps forward. I believe Upati and DJ Fluker, we know what we're going to get in those types in those players when they're on the field. Jermaine Effetti, when he is on the field, can he continue to progress and specifically in the pass blocking uh, area? And that's something that I want to see uh, because the Seahawks did not take they they took the risk. They said, "Hey, we're not going to uh, we're not going to claim your fifth year option, which is at ten and a half million dollars." Which you look at the tackle market, that's actually not a bad chunk of money, Curtis, right now with how the tackle market currently is. That's a market that is exploding. And Jermaine Effetti, if he has a great year next year, Curtis... Could easily make that. Could easily surpass that. 
easily surpass that because the NFL is so hungry for tackles. So it's an interesting position that the Seahawks are in right now with Jermaine Effetti, but they need him to step up, and, and if he doesn't, then he can find himself out of town uh, in, in 2020. Who's on the hottest seat? Text that into the Coors Light tax line, 710-710 right now. 206 says Amaro Darbo, he needs to break out. I think Amaro Darbo just needs to worry about making the team <laughs> right. before he bursts onto the scene as, as a number one target. I mean, it's been two years. His first year, very ineffective, barely on the field, and then last year was out all season dealing with that injury that he suffered in training camp. In fact, he was on the Patriots roster at one point a year ago, and then because he failed a physical, ended up back in Seattle right. based off of just how that ruling is. So he, he's still with the Seahawks. But, I mean, to say that he needs to break out I think is, is obvious, but you got to take it incrementally if you're Darbo. He, he's not a guy – let's just say this. He's not a guy that the Seahawks are counting on. If he is a nice surprise – and steps up, then great, great. Then that's that's fantastic. But he he is on the out. Realistically, looking at this, he is on the outside looking in. The guys that have to step up is David Moore and Jaron Brown. When you're talking about receiver position and hot seat, you point to David Moore and Jaron Brown. Those guys, you look at it and go, okay, well they were able to. Uh, David Moore had some really nice games for you. Was able to get a, a decent amount of touchdowns. Jaron Brown very limitedly targeted. In, in during the season and had five touchdowns. His his touchdown rate was incredible. But there's a reason for that because both of those guys were not consistently in the right place at the right time and did not develop that trust with Russell Wilson. You have to be more than a one-trick pony. And those what those two guys need to do. And so far, they've done a pretty good job through OTAs. Jaron Brown has really stepped up and has made plays and has been all over the field. David Moore has increased his... Uh, route tree ability, but yet has not, let's just say this, he is an amazing go ball runner, but he needs to be better in every other facet. He needs to be just as good running every other route as he is as a go ball. And I don't think you can uh, say that uh, with with firm confidence as of right now. And those guys have to step up in those areas. Guys to make this roster that's going to be very interesting going into 2019 that I don't know will be able to make the 53. Uh, C.J. Procise and J.D. McKissick at the running back group, those guys are very similar players, and who is going to be able to step up? And, and C.J., can he be healthy? And J.D., I think, is a great receiver, a great running back receiving threat, but can this offense realistically utilize him in the way that I think they should because this guy is a serious weapon for this team but can they use him the proper way, and they just simply haven't found a way to get that done over the last couple seasons? Nick Vanette, you've got a guy in Jacob Hollister that was traded uh, to you from the Patriots. It definitely puts pressure on Nick Vanette to step up, uh, and he is in in danger of not making this roster potentially. And I, I believe that also when you look at the linebacker, the defense side of things, I think Shaquem Griffin uh, is definitely on the hot seat right now. Uh, you have two guys in, in Cody Barton and Ben Burkirvin. Ben Burkirvin hasn't played it through OTAs because of an injury, but Cody Barton, man, like I talked about earlier in the show, he has taken things over and is going to be a great player, and that really puts Shaquem in a really tough position. So all those guys uh, are, are kind of in different situations. Some are a lock to make the 53 and need to prove themselves throughout the season to remain a part of this team in the future. 
And these guys, and there's other guys right now that are trying to crack this 53, and it's a tough position for them to remain on that 53. Text from the 509. Who's on the hot seat? They say Blitz, the mascot. He's Whoa. on the hot seat with a hockey team coming in soon. The Mariner Moose, you got to step up the game. Wow. Wow. That's that's a hot take that's, right there. I mean, I think, no stone left unturned by the 509. At 509, I don't know if I can agree with you on that. I that's, think the Blitz is pretty firmly rooted in his spot. Now, if you were going to say this. He follows me on Twitter. If you, Shout out to fo- Blitz. Yeah, he followed me on Twitter the other day. I was that, That's when I knew I had arrived in the media world. That was amazing. Uh, but if you told me the Sasquatch was coming back in town, oh yeah, yeah, yo, that would be a serious dunking through like yes rings of fire. Yes, that's, that would change. That would change the landscape skill. a little bit. Mariner Moose is always a classic. But if you're telling me with the NHL team, if the sockeyes, <laughs> the 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 mascot's going to be a sockeye, come on, he's he's got nothing on the Blitz. I think the Blitz is, is firmly in a good position. But, like you say, never get comfortable. Never get comfortable. You can listen to Seattle Sports Night anywhere in the world via the 710 Sports app. It is driven by your Puget Sound Acura dealers. Coming up next in Big If True, what if Kevin Durant is done playing for the Warriors? What if he's actually not done? What if he does come back? How does this change the landscape of the NBA Finals? We talk that next. Curtis Rogers, Jay Keeps, Seattle Sports Night on 710. ESPN Seattle. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your text questions. Because right now, we're... It's looking thin right now on the Coors Light text line because your questions are the reason why we do our next segment at 845, Ask Us Anything. Where are you guys at? Exactly. I mean, come on now. Let's give us something. Do you want to know something about us? Do you want to uh, ask some questions that we haven't gotten to, uh, that we weren't able to cover so far in the show? What what are some of your burning questions that you have for us? Uh, We will answer them in the next segment. I mean, come on, guys. Let's go. Let's, Let's pick it up. Pick it up the pace right here on Seattle Sports at night. But uh, right now, as we do each and every night around 8.30, or, well, in this case, 8.36, uh, is we look at something in the world of sports that really opens your eyes and makes you say, well, that's big if true. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did Did he he say say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True comes to us from the NBA. And right now you've got the Warriors and Raptors locked in a series right now where Toronto's up 2-1. And Golden State has dealt with, I think, more injuries in this series than they ever have in this run that they've been on. The five straight Western Conference titles, the three NBA titles that they've won so far. And the most significant being Kevin Durant's injury, which he's now missed, I believe it's 10 playoff games in a row, Yeah, dating back to the end of the second round against the Rockets, the entire Western Conference Finals against the Blazers, and then the first three games of this series, and he's already been ruled out for Game 4. Does he ever play again in Golden State? And if he does... Is it enough to give them the edge over Toronto the rest of this series? Jake, you 
have been chomping at this one, and your reasoning behind it, let's hear it. I just think that this is perfect NBA playoff, NBA parody, that this has been teed up for a long time now. When is Kevin Durant going to come back? Is he going to come back? Can Steph Curry lead the Warriors without KD? And, uh, you know, this team isn't the same without KD. There's just been all this controversy around that. And I believe that this is a classic setting up the parody of, I believe that the Toronto Toronto Raptors are going to come out and they're going to play well again. I think they're going to go up 3-1, even with Klay Thompson coming back from a hamstring. And I think you're going to have 3-1, and now you're going to see Kevin Durant come out like Superman and come out, and now all of a sudden he's going to be magically healthy. And I and even Steve Kerr at one point in time was confused about KD's health. He was telling the reporters that he was going to possibly be ready for this game tomorrow, and then today has come out and been like, oh, I, sorry, I was mistaken on the timeline. The, the, the trainers are telling me no. I believe that Kevin Durant is right there ready to roll and is just waiting for his perfect opportunity to come in and try and save the day. That's my take. That's my big if true. Okay, okay. My big if true is Kevin Durant will never set foot on a Golden State Warriors court ever again. He is out. He is not going to play for Golden State the rest of his career. He's going to go somewhere else. Maybe it's Brooklyn. Maybe it's New York. Maybe it's L.A. But it is not Golden State. His goal in going to Golden State was to get some rings, increase the brand profile a little bit, and then be on his merry way. And I think he feels as though, like as we've seen this season specifically, there's been a lot of infighting between him and like Draymond Green and other guys on that Warriors roster to the point where I think I don't know if his injury is enough to warrant missing the rest of the playoffs because, I mean, this is the playoffs. Like, there are no more important games than what's going on right now. Right. This is the NBA Finals. Yeah. Like, it doesn't get any bigger than this. And I think the the relationship between Kevin Durant and the Warriors front office, or at least the Warriors locker room, I think may have gotten beyond repair to where they're like, you know what, Kevin? We don't need you, man. Like, sorry to say it, but like you, you are an incredible talent, but we don't think you're here for us. We think you're here for you, and we're here for each other. And I think Steph Curry is a guy that has been able to be one of the great teammates in the NBA, and I think him being able to get guys to buy in even after Kevin Durant went down, I think that kind of speaks to where this locker room is that, like, Kevin Durant went down, and really nobody in that locker room batted an eye. Well, I think you also have to point to the championship culture that they have, though. I mean, they have guys on that team that have been there and done that without KD. Yeah. And so I don't think there really was any uh, room for panic uh, and anyone to have cause for concern. Obviously, Kevin Durant is one of the best players in the world, and having him is essentially like a cheat code for your team. I mean, you're you're a lock to win the finals with Kevin Durant, uh, but without him, this group believes that they can get it done. I just firmly believe that this is an opportunity for Kevin Durant to come back into the fold and show just how significant of an impact he can have. And like you were talking about, his 
ability to go and win a championship. He has done that. I think people have also looked at it and gone, okay, well, you've also done it with the Warriors. How special is that? This is a team that was already geared in winning championships. This is an opportunity for him to show the world that, okay, the Warriors are down right now, and it's 3-1, and this is an opportunity for me to show how good of a presence that I have and how big of an impact I can have and can change the course of an NBA Finals. That's what I think. This is an opportunity for KD, KD to rise to the occasion. And if not, I think that the, the the Raptors, although they're a team that is solely focused around Kawhi Leonard, and I don't think Kyle Lowry has done incredible things to warrant uh, a, a sure victory in the Finals, uh, they're going to have to earn it. I just think the edge goes to them if, if KD isn't able to uh, get himself ready to go by Game 5. Think about the national story around Kevin Durant right now is and how so many people view him as this sensitive guy who is just looking to bounce to the next team and that next opportunity to increase his his appeal across the NBA landscape. And I would consider him... I mean, not here in Seattle so much because of what he meant as being the last Sonic, really, in the NBA. But across the rest of the NBA landscape, he's he's a villain. Like, he's a villainous player to a lot of teams out there. How much would the storyline surrounding him change if he came back for the last few games of this NBA Finals and that was enough of a, uh, of a spur to... enough to spur on Golden State to win their fourth championship and, and to win the third championship of his time in Golden State and him saying, like, I I want to win for these guys. Yeah. And I want to get that third ring. And I, I don't want I don't want it to be in the hands of anybody else. I want to be the reason why I get it or don't get it. Yeah, I think it can work in his favor for sure. I also think you can read between the lines in this situation and see that there is something bigger going on between KD and, and Golden State and the team and the organization. Uh, there's just something that doesn't add up to his injury, the timeline, like I said, what, what Steve Kerr has said and then what he has retracted. It's just a fascinating situation, and so you don't know what you're going to get out of Kevin Durant, but I firmly believe he's going to come back at some point in this series. And if he's able to lead them back to uh, a finals in a dramatic fashion, Curtis, I think there's another team that's going to, want to pay him handsomely that he's already lined up to do and and maybe that gives him an easier uh, cushion to go to a new franchise and be welcomed uh, a little bit more with open arms rather than like you said I think he burned a lot of bridges when he left uh, OKC to go to the Warriors in the fashion that he did it in and kind of the personality that he's had since he's gone to Golden State it's kind of been KD against the world instead of KD assimilating with the Golden State Warriors and being a part of that team altogether and uh, I it know, has kind of felt yeah. like he's been off on his own and it's KD and the Warriors not just the Warriors correct and it's it's fascinating when you have a player like Steph Curry who is the marquee franchise player for that team and the leader of that team uh, for him to kind of go uh, and play a supportive role when you have Kevin Durant on your roster. And so I think that that's all kind of fed into all this, and that's why I am just interested to see how these NBA Finals are going to go and fully anticipating that I already know how the storyline and how this song and dance is going to go. 
We need your text questions to the Coors Light text line 710-710. It's time for you to ask us anything. It's time for us to answer just about anything. That's next. Curtis Rogers and the quarterback, Jay Keeps. Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jay Keeps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. We need your text questions to the... Coors Light text line 710-710. Jake, let's take a look at what we're seeing right now. Uh, from the 503, do you guys listen to 710 ESPN in your free time? Yes, actually. Yeah, we do. We, that's how we keep tabs on what everybody else is saying here. That's right. Keep tabs on on all that. To uh, As we are growing, we are trying to uh, listen to the guys that are on the prime time right now and then also... Uh, we are listening to other shows. I don't know about you, Curtis, but every now and then I try to listen to some national stuff and uh, yeah. see see what's going on there. So, yeah, constantly tuned in. It's funny because I used to solely be an FM guy, and now that I've gotten into the sports radio world, I only listen to AM. Just always on the dial. That's right. Make sure you're downloading the 710 Sports app. It's powered by your Puget Sound Accurate dealers. You can listen to 710 ESPN at any time. Uh, let's see here. We've got... From the 253, would you guys be upset if Alex Rodriguez went into the Hall of Fame as a Mariner? A couple of things there. I don't think he's going to get into the Hall of Fame as a Mariner, first off. I don't even know if he's guaranteed to make it to the Hall of Fame because of the PED suspensions that he had in his career. Right. Um, if he went into the Hall of Fame, I would not be upset if he went in. Talent-wise, probably one of the top five players of all time. Just talent-wise alone. Right. Uh, but he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and he rubbed a lot of people who are going to be responsible for, sure. for voting him in the wrong what, way. What do you think? What do you think he would want? Do you think he would want to be in as a as Mariner a or as a Yankee? As a Yankee, yeah. absolutely, as a Yankee. I think so too. I think um, for his ego, the Yankees is exactly where he wants to be uh, a Hall of Famer. So yesterday. Or maybe it was two days ago, and Danny even more. They talked a lot about uh, Seattle sports "what if" scenarios. Like, what if the Sonics never traded Scottie Pippen? What if he was on the team with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp? What ah. if Vinny Testaverde's head wasn't confused for the football, and he <laughs> and, and the Seahawks were able to win that game? Um, today in the sports bit, we were talking about the '95 Mariners, which. By the way, there's going to be a documentary coming out in July on MLB Network. Graz is in it. Uh, make sure you're checking that out. Well, of course he's in Yeah, of course he is. But it brought up an interesting what-if scenario. Edgar Martinez, who we all know, hit the, the double, the defining moment of the Mariners franchise history. You know who's on deck? Who was on deck? Alex Rodriguez. Ah. What if Edgar walked in that situation, which he didn't come close to. It was an 0-1 count that he got the, the hit off. What if he walked? Alex Rodriguez drives in the game-winning run. Man. How much does that change everything in Seattle 24 years after the fact? Here's the thing. It could have changed the way Alex Rodriguez viewed his contract situation. Ultimately, I don't think it does. I mean, he was getting a significant contract in comparison to what he would get in Seattle. The second thing, though, is, is that I think it would be that much of a de- deeper knife in the back. Yeah, like, I, I just think, I think it so. would be that much harder to know 
the way that Alex Rodriguez left and the type of history that he had with this team, it would be so hard to consistently watch over and over and over again that play of Alex Rodriguez coming through in the clutch and knowing that he ultimately left us the, in that fashion. That would be just really a tough pill to swallow. Luckily, we'll never have to know that what-if scenario, but that was a what-if scenario that kind of gave me chills thinking about it. Like, ooh, ooh, what? Yeah. Brutal. It would change everything. Uh, from the 360, <laughs> you guys explain the Seahawks scheme in such detail. Is it detrimental to the Seahawks for the op- for opposing teams of knowing what you're doing during game time? Ooh. 360, I don't think opposing cities, op- opposing teams are listening to Sports Talk Radio in Pro- Seattle to figure yeah, out what's going on. Probably not, and probably not Seattle sports at night, but if they were smart... They would be listening to us. They probably would be. You know, I, I don't think we're giving away trade secrets, um, but who knows? I mean, every team's looking for a competitive advantage, and uh, we do drop a lot of knowledge here on this show that we pride ourselves on. That knowledge gets dropped like crazy. You better pick it up because we're just dropping it like cra- <laughs> we can't even hold on to it. It's like we are out of the window and we're just throwing it out yeah, there, just off a ten-story balcony, just here. Have some knowledge. We don't need this. Oh, man. Uh, we got some uh, fellow two, fellow Skyline Spartan checking in on the 206 for you, Jake. Oh, hey They were in eighth grade when you were a senior. Okay. So uh, they were a few years behind you. Yes. They're asking if there's any good talent coming through the area. Mm, that's a good question. Skyline has dropped off a little bit in terms of the talent just year to year from the great runs that we've had. They've been able to put some great teams together and – uh, I, to me, you've always got to trust a, a, a Matt Taylor coach team. I think that he's always going to put them in a great position to win and get the best out of that group. But uh, from what I've heard so far, I haven't heard of any world-beating talent coming in in terms of the next up-and-comers. Uh, I do believe that they have a pretty good quarterback that they're excited about, but other than that, I haven't really heard a whole lot of Because after you, it was Max Brown. Right? It was Max Brown, and, and they were, I mean, pretty significant run there, Curtis. In six years, Skyline Spartans went to five straight state championships. It's not bad. Uh, so a pretty good run there. So, or no, they won five out of the six. Sorry. So, yeah, it was pretty good. But who's counting? Run. Yeah, I mean... You know, and I had three of them. So, I mean, who's counting? Who's counting, right? That That's going to do it for us here on this Thursday night. Make sure you're downloading the Seattle Sports Tonight podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 710sports.com. Click on the podcast. It's there on the 710 Sports app. There's really no reason for you to not be listening to the Seattle Sports Tonight podcast, especially if you missed anything tonight. Uh, that's going to do it for us. We will be back with you next week. Jake, you're on with Bob Graz and Tom tomorrow. You're actually on with yes. Graz, so make sure you're tuning in for that tomorrow starting at noon. That's going to do it for us. For the quarterback, Jake Heaps, I'm Curtis Rogers. We'll be back with you next week right here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710 ESPN Seattle.